All right, welcome to the Lakers SBN postgame show after the Lakers fall to the Philadelphia 76ers at home and just another brutal crunch time loss for who I think, you know, the Lakers are 24th in crunch time offense and that kind of showed down the stretch. Um, man, I'm not sure which one is worse, honestly, than a double overtime loss to the greatness of Luka Doncic or, you know, an in-regulation loss to the Philadelphia 76ers where Joel Embiid, it felt like, hit every mid-range jab step jumper. Kind of the shots that, you know, you want Joel Embiid shooting. He shot and he hit, so give him credit. Give Luka Doncic credit hitting step-back threes. But, you know, tonight, just not even to get a shot off at the end is rough. And then obviously the, you know, numbers come out later. The Lakers had two timeouts left. And again, just that's a, you know, quick situation. You have to kind of make, you know, decisions in that um, decisions there uh, in real time. So it's tough to really go back and, you know, judge every decision. But I just don't, you know, the Lakers have had a lot of situations like this where they haven't called timeout. And the Lakers are really bad down the stretch of ball games. They're not good. Um, And I would have loved to have, you know, just at least one, timeout there you know at least take one timeout get a good shot run something um and we didn't we don't get a shot up Russ comes up the you know Russ gets Russ who had an incredible game by the way so the last play shouldn't really be uh it will be because that's kind of how sports works right but Russ's you know final play there where he kind of throws the ball off the rim isn't representative of this game Lakers are nowhere near you know where they are in this ball game if Russ doesn't play the way he does, but Russ comes up the left side of the floor and has Joel Embiid on him. And he feels that's a mismatch. He feels like he can go by Joel Embiid, which I disagree with personally, but you know, Russ has been getting to the basket pretty well tonight and uh, he just wasn't able to get a step. um, And then, you know, try to go in the air and fire a pass over, I believe Embiid haven't really looked at the replay too much for the, sake of my sanity, but uh, I think he tried to throw a pass over the top and it hits the top of the rim. Um, and again, no timeout. LeBron doesn't get a touch. LeBron is not involved. LeBron, who was incredible also tonight, other than down the stretch. Um, but, you know, Russ comes down and uh, he throws it off the off the rim. The Lakers don't get a shot. And that is just a rough way to lose. And again, against a Philadelphia team that was favored by five, pretty much had their team tonight, right? You had Tobias Harris, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Maxie is back for them. He's coming off the bench. This is a very good, solid team. It's the second half of back-to-back. Played yesterday in Utah, so you had that advantage, hopefully, going um, going for you. But, again, just another crunch time loss. And you can kind of name these just off your head. I mean, Indiana, obviously Dallas. There was a game against the Kings. You had the Boston game, the game in Philly on the road, right, where the Lakers made a comeback. Uh, there's just way too many of these where we've blown – down the stretch where I disagree with not t- calling a timeout. Um, that's not really representative of why exactly the Lakers lost, but again, to not get a shot at the end, uh, it's really tough in a back and forth. James Harden, you know, goes up for that three, gets fouled. They call it on the floor and then Embiid just comes and hits a jab step mid range jumper. Um, and he hit all those tonight. It felt like, and again, shots you want uh, LeBron taking um, again, though, without AD, you kind of have to separate, reality of where the team is and kind of where it would hope to be 
there was news right with the AD working out, but Lakers coming in tonight were seven and seven, uh, seven and seven without AD, seventh, you know, in the West during that time. Can't really ask for more than that. Eleventh in offense, twenty second defense coming in, fifth in defense in the month of January, and I thought you saw that tonight. Uh, they played hard, man. This, and there's no moral victories on this side, you know, when you're in a Western Conference that. No one's really separating themselves, but you expect teams to really get better as they get their guys back. The Warriors lost tonight against in Chicago. Would have been nice to gain maybe a game on them. Um, and, you know, the Clippers beat Houston, but they haven't been playing great basketball either. The Phoenix Suns are going to get healthy at some point. Um, they've been crashing down to earth with with their team out. And it would have been nice to just, you know, get one tonight. But they don't lose again in crunch time. And I think, you know, the lack of shooting uh, – it's the biggest kind of topic, especially, you know, in free agency and, and with trades and with the trade deadline looming. But I think that really shows up down the stretch. Um, and you saw our late time offense. And that's kind of what I want to start with tonight. Our late night off, our late time offense is just the same movie over and over again. And honestly, like pretty much in like the five, you know, around the five, six minute mark, our, you know, whole game kind of switches from, this, you know, transition, push the ball, pick and roll. I thought Russ was just really good at not just driving, but driving to, like, manipulate a defense and hit a guy, you know, where he's roaming the baseline and kind of get layups for them. And then it just flips at a certain point, which understandably how most teams do it. It's just we don't have the – we don't have the requisite talent around or the, we don't have the shooting and we don't have something concise play. The Sixers come right down the – came right down every single time and knew exactly what they were going to do, right? It's James Harden, Joel Embiid, two-man game every single time. And we come down and we throw it to LeBron, you know, in the post and teams double it. And you see LeBron trying to force like these needle in a haystack passes to Wenyan Gabriel. Um, and I think one went in, tried to catch it, went out of bounds. Second one went off his foot. And that's just a tough position to put Wenyan Gabriel in. And, uh, and, you know, obviously if that's 80, it's a different story, but we need to kind of figure out something to do in the crunch time. Anthony, uh, if you're up here, please help me through this. I, this is, a uh, another just, uh, first of all, which one's more like excruciating this one or losing to Luka Doncic in double overtime or not getting a shot to, to win or tie the game down the stretch. Well, all right. So full disclosure, I wanted something, you know, nice and uplifting to, to watch uh, while I watched this Lakers game. My Vikings lost their, their playoff game oh, earlier yeah. today, too. Um, so I wanted something, you know, to put me in a, in a nice, positive mood here to wrap up my weekend. So I had I watched The Last of Us. It was on the other TV while I was watching this. Um, I thought that was I thought that was a video game. That it was. was they show? they turned it into okay. an HBO show. It looks really good. The first episode gotcha. was was fantastic. Okay. But um, yeah, I, it's just I don't know if you've talked about it to this point. And and to, act, to actually answer your question, like the, the the answer to what is the most excruciating is yes. Like the, <laughs> the the answer to what what like which which loss has hurt the most so far whether it was losing in overtime to boston double overtime to luca this one here tonight um uh-huh. yes yes is the answer um <laughs> and like I, I tweeted this out after the luca game um that you know it's it's so maddening to come so close so often and just know that like there's still a couple players away and they're a couple players away down a couple of their players and it's just like 
you know, how often are we going to watch the same show? How often are we going to yeah. recap with the same message? And how often are we just going to be left with the same thing where, you know, miraculously, the Lakers are still somehow in these games. Um, and it's because LeBron is so effing good somehow at 38 years old. And yet, like, it's just going to be the same story over and over. And he played 35 minutes. He was a game high, it looks like, despite being on a losing mm-hmm. team. He was a game high plus 19. I don't know if he talked about that already. Uh, no, not yet. 35, 10, and 8 on the night on 15 of 23 shooting. Um, and he didn't touch the ball on the on the deciding possession, you know. Um it's just I, I don't know. Like every every single game feels like this perfect encapsulation of all of the frustrations that we've had, um, you know, organizationally on a macro. You're watching the macro play out on a micro level every single game. It's just it's wild. Yeah, for sure. And you know, just side note, I don't know this probably doesn't make you feel better taking texting with a friend because I don't understand how football works. But I guess like the Vikings were thirteen and four, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's like a 66 win team, I think, in the NBA. I was, I know that's not how that works, but thought that was crazy that you know you lose after one game. Uh, uh, well, sorry, they, they were they were 13 and four with a negative point differential. So, like, imagine a 66 okay. win team that gets outscored more often, <laughs> like over the course <laughs> of the season. They won 66 games and, and were outscored by their opponents over the entirety of an 82 game season. <laughs> oh, man. Like yeah, I knew, so I, I knew they were going to, I knew they were fraudulent. I was hoping they would win like one game, but, and they were going to get like, they were going to get obliterated next weekend by, by San Francisco anyway. But, um, but yeah, like the, they, they were, they were as fraudulent as you'll ever see a 13 win team. Like they could have, <laughs> they could have lost, like three more games and been a 10 win team and been like the worst 10 win team of all time. They, they were, they, they were, that, they were that kind of bad. So it wasn't the only regret I have from, from watching this one today or how today played out was that I was sober at my in-laws while I was watching the game. That's, that's the only, that was the only thing that, that really kind of bummed me out. But yeah, getting back to like, you know, another bright shining moment in my weekend and in this one, um, I, I, have you talked about Russell Westbrook yet? Like, have you? Yeah. So that's kind of what I want to go to next kind of in the crunch time. And yeah, I don't know how, you know, I, I think Russ has find found kind of a sweet spot of like where, how he's playing and Darvin Ham is obviously kind of leveraged Russ's strengths, I think to the best you could. And he's been playing really good, honestly. And I, I haven't looked at the LeBron plus Russ numbers yet, but they've been really good. I believe the last five games he's coming into tonight, averaging like 20, a seven and six or something like that. And down the stretch, Anthony, I think our, and this is crazy to kind of say now, but like, I think like, especially with ADL, obviously him coming back kind of changes the geometry of the floor in a different way. But with the way we're closing, because Darvin Ham is closing with uh, Wayne and Gabriel over Thomas Bryant, right. For defensive purposes, especially uh, down the stretch when you kind of need stops and stuff like that, we're, we're going with Wayne and Gabriel and then the shooting around is never going to be great in the first place. And Austin and Lonnie, we'll see when they come back. I honestly, like, I was watching this game, and I was kind of hoping for, like, a Russ-LeBron screen and roll kind of to go down the stretch. I thought that would have been the way to go. And we went to, like, what we do usually, which is try to clear a side for LeBron to score. And I think, like, teams just load up too much on that. And you'll see a lot of times what happened, which is, like, you saw you saw LeBron shoot some, like, one-leg fadeaways, right? And he hit one of those. Um, but I think, like, that's just such a bad, like, that's so bad shot quality, first of all. And then, like, that's just a tough position to put all our other guys in. Troy Brown hit a clutch three tonight. But 
it's just like we walk the ball up the floor, and then it's like 13 seconds. LeBron gets the ball. They trap. You saw last night, the other night against Dallas as well. Troy Brown got fouled, I guess, but Hardaway Jr. was close enough to where he can contest it. I just like I think we've kind of moved to Russ being the point guard facilitator, and that might need to stay down the stretch. What do you What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> Again, you know, I talked about the, the, the micro or the macro playing out in the micro, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I thought tonight was a perfect example of, of the Russell Westbrook experience. Uh, 34 minutes, 7 of 14 from the field, which is about as much as you could hope for. 2 of 5 from three-point range. When he is tied for your lead um, in, in three-point shooting, um, that's, <laughs> that, yeah, that's not, not great. great. Um, uh, four or five from the from the free throw line, which is fine. Fourteen boards, great. Eleven assists, great. Uh, you know, twenty points, perfectly fine. Four turnovers, that's a creativity tax. I'm not too worried about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the Lakers aren't in the game without Russell Westbrook, right? Playing the way that he did, absolutely. But, mm-hmm. but um. The problem with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James on the court at the same time is when one has the ball, especially if LeBron has the ball, Russ is actively detrimental to what the Lakers are trying to do. So what you have to do is you have to put the ball in Russ's hands because the other team has to care about LeBron yeah, uh, even when he doesn't have the ball in ways that they don't have to care about Russ when he doesn't have the ball. And... um you know, that's just and, and I like look like this isn't groundbreaking analysis. Everybody has has heard some version of this to this point. But like if if the <laughs> defenses have tried for 20 years to figure out ways to 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 minimize LeBron James impact down the stretch. And if you're doing it for the team by having somebody on a court who has to take the ball out of LeBron's hands you're doing the defense's job. You're doing – Doc Rivers was probably clapping on the side of, of, of the court over there. Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know, you have and, – and the Lakers don't have any options because they're they're down so many guys right now. But but that's just kind of the problem. And, and, and this is how it would play out, you know, if the Lakers decide not to trade him this year. This is how it would play out in, in, in playoff settings too where at some point – Russ is going to be on the court down the stretch of these games. And this is what it's going to look like. And then, you know, without complaining specifically about Russ or roster makeup or whatever, one thing mm-hmm. that I find fascinating here with LeBron and Russ specifically, because you talked about how you were hoping that they would run some kind of two man game with the two of those guys and get one of those guys moving downhill in ways that they can't, they, they in isolation can't get moving downhill because they don't have the, the lateral quickness um, to get by their defenders right now at this stage of their careers, respectively. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's so interesting because for the their entire lives, basically, they have been the most athletic person on the court. And for their entire careers, they have been able to, in, in these clutch moments, um, they have just been, yeah, give me the ball, get out of the way, and I'll figure it out. At, at the very worst, I'll get fouled. Don't worry about it. Um, and, and they, at this stage of their careers, can't do that anymore. And, and they kind of have to reconcile, reconcile with that individually. And the Lakers as a team have to recognize that and find ways to get these guys moving downhill, um, and, and help them getting moved, moving downhill. Uh, you know, we talked about the Vikings earlier, the Vikings, you know, for most of my life have had really good running backs. They have Adrian Peterson before they have Dalvin cook now. 
And one of the frustrating things over the course of Adrian Peterson's career was there was, they never made it easier, easy on him. There was never any play action. He didn't have the hands to slip behind the linebackers and, and just have secondary players to, to mess with physically. Um, He had to get the ball behind the line of scrimmage, run through the line of scrimmage, face off with a linebacker, break a tackle with a linebacker, and then get into the open field. Dalvin Cook is kind of the opposite of that, where he does have the hands to to get in, slide in behind the linebackers and be more um, dangerous there. And and I think here, the Lakers, you know, they look like late career Adrian Peterson, where early in his career, it didn't matter who was standing in front of him. He was going to run you the F over and he was going to get into the secondary. But later in his career, the, the Vikings had to find ways. They had to try to get more creative to get him downhill um, and, and, and create more leverage for him that he was no longer able to create for himself. And I think here with the Lakers, this is what we're looking at with Russ and LeBron, where neither of those guys possess the athletic ability to get around whoever is standing in front of him in the way, the way, the way that they've been able to the entirety of their careers. And, and it's maddening that we're now 40-something games into the season, and they still haven't figured this out. They still haven't adjusted. Yeah, so number one, Adrian Peterson is actually a name I've heard of before. So <laughs> Did you just do the <laughs> – I understood that reference. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, do you understand heard... that reference? Shit. <laughs> I remember, like, he got hurt or something and then came back, right? I think, like, he got yeah. really hurt and then came back and had a good year. Um, he blew no, his like... ACL and then – uh, came back and won MVP or, or had an MVP caliber season. It was wild. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I remember his name <laughs> from somewhere. But um, he was also known for like being a kind of shit father. So that that that's you know oh, really okay. bummer. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, on the LeBron and Russ, to your point, real. So last four games, they've actually you know, and this includes the loss you know to Dallas and other ones. They're only seventy five minutes, so not a bunch of minutes, but one twenty two offense, eighty four point seven defense. They're a plus 37 and a half net rating together. And this is a lot in like the first three quarters, obviously. And then crunch time, you know, is what it is, what happens to us. But like, I just think like with Russ, his rim pressure and his like manipulation of like driving and finding guys on the baseline, I think has been our like best offense in a while. And also I think it allows LeBron. And like you said, like our half court is just never going to be good enough to where like we can isolate one of them on the floor and, um, I'm not, not sure if you saw the quote, by the way, uh, from our own, you know, Cooper, who, uh, Cooper Halpern, who mm-hmm. uh, said Darvin Ham, um, Darvin Ham after, uh, about not calling a timeout, uh, does he kind of regret it or did he consider calling a timeout? He said, no, not really down one. You got one of your best playmakers to the rim, one of our best finishers to the rim Embiid standing in front of him. I'll take that 10 times out of 10. I wouldn't take that 10 out of 10, but like, I, <laughs> what? what are you talking about, Darvin? <laughs> but, but <laughs> he got to the rim, but he was like fumbling the ball off of his forearms. Like, what? <laughs> For sure. Like, Embiid to me is one of the best switch defenders in the league. That's not a guy. He's huge. Go, yeah, you don't go at him. And you saw Dennis try to at least do that grifter stuff. Like, that doesn't work on Embiid, right? Like, you're not getting the like drive, bump, free throws on Embiid. But really quickly to, like, Darwin's point and what, like, I'm saying with Russ, I think, like, Russ driving and, like, him drawing defenders in a way where he's actually, like, manipulating. Like, before, I think, last year as well, I think there was just no rhyme or reason. At least I'm seeing some, like, where Russ drives and he's kind of reading, okay, the big man's coming here, and he's, like, finding dudes at the rim. He found Wendy and a lot, Thomas Bryant. Um, and also, you know, 
the LeBron Russ screen and roll game has kind of got better. And I would just like Anthony some structure down the stretch. Like I think, you know, are just throwing to LeBron in the post and hopefully he gets it. We, he gets doubled. Like it's just a tough thing to go to. And we've lost like seven or eight games to me because we just have no kind of structure. I think that's one thing we can at least go to. Um, but yeah, like your, to your point though, like both of them aren't really able to create in a way down the stretch and they aren't good enough pull up jump shooters. Right. And that's like the threat. You saw Philly down the stretch, just give it to Embiid. He can jab step mid-range pull-up and, like, be so nice if we can just have that type of offense. But we don't. Um, but, again, giving it to Russ down the stretch has its own, like, adventures to it. It's just, like, I think that was our best offense tonight, and we went away for a minute, like, after the five-minute mark, I feel like, of the fourth quarter, and then uh, we just couldn't score down the stretch. Yeah, again, it's tough because they basically play two brands of basketball over the course of the game, right? They, exactly. For, for 45 minutes or so or 43 minutes, they mm-hmm. get up and down. They, 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 um, they kind of force they, – they kind of bend defenses to their will um, and, and, you know, through, through athleticism out in the open court. But then when the game really slows down, it's, it's like, oh, shit, like we – we don't have the shooters to space the floor and give these guys enough room to get around their defenders. And and again, like I just said, I don't. They don't really have the. Again, Russ earlier in his career um, could get around guys even when they they had to give him so much space because he was that kind of an athlete. You know, you uh, LeBron, it, it, you know, earlier in his career could like I saw him tonight. He was struggling to get by Tobias Harris, man. Like Tobias Harris. You know, and and again, he's thirty eight years old, and and Russell Westbrook is his his career is in the teens, so like that's kind of how that's going to look. But uh, you know, so long as the Lakers, like you're talking about, and I see uh, Cranjus is in, is in the room too. He's done a really good job over the course of the last few years of charting how the Lakers' offense devolves over the course of the game, and how. Yeah. They, you know, they do focus on sets uh, earlier in the game and they and they allow the system to create opportunity. But then, you know, as the game goes on and gets into these clutch moments um, and this is, by the way, the Lakers aren't unique in this respect. This is how the NBA Mm -hmm. kind of goes, you know, that the, the, the the notion of hero ball is, is by no means new. And, um, and this is where, you know, it, it would be one thing if the Lakers had, the horses to be able to pull off that approach, but they don't right now. Like that there is no move that LeBron can make. That's an easy basket at this stage of his career. Everything is going to look difficult, especially if he's starting with the ball 30 feet away from the basket. There is nothing that Russell Westbrook can do right now because he isn't a good shooter. That is an easy basket uh, at this stage of his career. He has to, you know, either break his uh, guy off the dribble and get to the rim or he has to take an ill-advised mid-range jumper. And neither of those things are like easy. I'm not confident in either of those things happening right now. Um, you look at you look at uh, Harden, and because of the way he twerks for fouls, it is easy for him to get to the line. He can at any point just kind mm-hmm. of you know flip his arms up through a defender and trick a referee into giving him a couple free throws. Um, Embiid is so big, and he has such fantastic touch that there are plays that he can make that are just easy looks. And, and I think that's, you know, you watch all of the Lakers games, basically, um, especially for the last couple of years since they traded for Russ. There is no such thing as an easy basket for the Lakers down the stretch that comes out of the half court. And they don't like running. So 
there is nothing that happens offensively for the Lakers right now that is easy. And, and you know, it's really difficult to, to be good in the clutch when that's the case. And that's why they aren't very good in the clutch. Yeah, and, you know, you, you to your point, you said hero ball. And I think, like, that's true. It's just, like, usually that hero has uh, – hero, yeah. That hero has, like, a partner at least to kind of run some action with, right? Like, you yeah. saw the other – down the stretch the other night and the, the Mavericks roster gets, you know uh, – killed every other day but like they ha- at least have like one guy where like if you trap Luca, at least like he can at- he's comfortable enough like screening and then popping to the right place and then they can play kind of four on three on four and three out of that I think like the positive to me in all this though Anthony is like LeBron still draws two you know what I mean and that's like the whole point of like your superstar right like can he draw two still and LeBron still does he throw it in the post on any side of the floor they still come with two on the ball especially yeah. down the stretch it's just like when it's in a shooter with Russell Westbrook, right? So the issue is compounded. It's not just one bad shooter, it's two, right? And it's winning Gabriel at the dunk, uh, around the dunker spot. And then it's like Troy Brown around. And then the shot clock's like 10 or 9 seconds. And those guys like aren't really comfortable playing out of that. So like I was just like one shooter there. I remember last year we won a game in Dallas because we had Wayne Ellington. As bad as he was, that dude was at least a shooter. So like we had LeBron, Wayne Ellington. Well, and he was known as a shooter. Like – this is the this is a huge difference um, when we talk about shooting in the NBA. Where, yeah. like, you look at Rajon Rondo, his percentage, especially like later in his career, you looked at his percentage and you said, "Oh, that's a pretty good shooter." But when Rondo was like gearing up to shoot, nobody cared. Nobody cared defensively. It was just like, "Okay, I guess he's shooting now," you know. Whereas you looked at Wayne Ellington, and because he had a rep as a shooter, even if he wasn't, even if he was having, and he did have a down year for the Lakers um, teams still cared about him shooting because he had a rep as a shooter. And, you know, like I I remember, uh, you know, the last few games because the Lakers have had so few bodies. um, Cole Swider has actually been able to get into some of these games. And, and you see, and you see like, (laughs) 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 but like, you it's gonna see, stop being a joke at one point. I promise. It's gonna be. It's gonna be real. But yeah. Continue. But you see, like you see when he's when he's out there, there is a scouting report out on him. Like that's what he does. He shoots. Like he is the only reason he has this opportunity right now because he is absolute tire fire disaster everywhere else. Um, teams know that guy can shoot, and 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 you just kind of see that they defend him a little bit differently than they than than they defend everybody else on the Lakers roster. So. Like it's it's one thing to have Dennis Schroeder, who like you look percentage wise is okay, you know he's fine as a shooter, but he's you know when when he catches the ball out on the perimeter, teams are a lot more worried about closing out too hard on him and allowing him get into the paint than they are him shooting an open three pointer. Yeah, they close out short on him, right? Yeah, as most do, and there's so many plays where like. We have like really good ball movement, driving kick, and the ball swings like Dennis. And he the defend it's it's an open shot technically, but it's not wide open. And so like he'll swing it and like it kills the advantage, right? So like that that circular where all the the defense is rotating, you kind of killed it. And then we have someone shooting at the end. And yeah, just like one movement guy. And you know I'm not really into trades. There's a guy in Detroit though that would really help a lot. But like at least just one like movement shooter that like. You talk, You talked about Cole Swider, and I'll, you don't have to, you know, beg me twice to to talk about Cole Swider. But it's not just about like him, and like in the sense that like 
not only is he scouted as a shooter, like what he does as a like he's comfortable in those shooting actions, right? So like when he comes off a screen, he can like read the defense as a shooter. So like the defense doesn't come out, he's firing. Or like if they do come out, he can hit that you know bounce pass to the big man because that he knows that that's his read there. And we don't have guys who really do that. Even Troy Brown, like against Dallas, our overtime offense was like trying to have Troy Brown in that spot, right? So we had Troy Brown come and screen for LeBron, and even then. He's a good, like, I think he's okay as, like, a four and three kind of playmaker out of that. But he's not a shooter in that role. So Dallas yeah. can still kind of back off him, especially off the dribble. He's not a shooter. Um, hit a big shot, three-point shot, spot up tonight. But, yeah, just one of those guys I think would solve a lot. And our margin is so, like, so much that, like, we're right now almost like – I believe we're one of the worst crunch time teams in the league. You can get that to, like, 15th, 16th, and then you, you know, uh, compare that to, like, what it would do to the win-loss column, like – Anthony, we have, like, nine games now, I think I can count, where we've lost just because, like, our crunch on offense, we can't score. Like, tonight, I think we defended well enough. Like, you look at Embiid's stat line, it was incredible, but I think, like, most of the shots he took, you want him shooting, right? And Mm -hmm. how many times did he even go to the line tonight? Five free throws. Oh, no, 12 free throws. Sorry. 12 free throws for Embiid. But still, I didn't think, like, it was a game where, you know, I feel like we could have won tonight. Um, Even Harden shot seven free throws still. Um, but again, Embiid, you know, hit all those shots that you want him taking. But like to me as a defense, you've kind of won the possession if Embiid takes a contested long two, right? Or same for Harden if he takes that type of shot. So I think our crunch time offense is something that we need to look at and be magnified as the deadline approaches. Yeah, and and again, it's 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 an identity issue, right? Like mm-hmm. um Darvin Ham and most NBA head coaches are not going to bench a future Hall of Famer when he's capable of putting up a stat line that Russ put up tonight. And again, like I'm not even saying that Russ should have been benched per se tonight. The Lakers don't have enough bodies to bench him down the stretch. Um, but he was really good tonight to me. I don't think he should have been benched. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like whenever he's out there on the court, he has to have the ball. Like there is no there is no other way about it so unless lebron is willing to go out there and set screens um for russ while russ has the ball then you're taking lebron kind of sort of out of out of the game to that to that extent and lebron you know he doesn't do much cutting and even like even when the ball rotates over to him this year he's you know his three-point shooting has really kind of uh fallen off of a cliff this year uh again one of five tonight I think he's shooting like twenty nine or twenty eight percent from three point range this year. Yeah. Um. And and he's not. He's never looked comfortable uh, as a catch and shoot three pointer. Like he he's a lot more comfortable where he has his feet completely under him and he's square to the basket. You know, for for a few seconds, takes a dribble, uh, does that weird move that I don't know how it works. Or whatever. Where he looks at the ball and then he shoots it. It makes no sense to me. Um. But but like. He's not a catch and shooter. Uh, Schroeder is not a catch and shoot threat. Um, uh, Wenyan Gabriel is is not a catch and shoot threat. So, like, there's just when when we talk about like, man, what where's the clutch offense going to come from? What where <laughs> do you see the lineup? Like, do you see the guys that are out there? Like, that's not this isn't the group that is going to score. Like, the you know and. And maybe things will get a little bit better when when Austin Reeves gets back. He's been their best shooter so far this year, and that might help. Uh, Lonnie Walker is one of their better catch and shoot threats. Patrick Beverly is one of their uh, you know better catch and shoot threats. So not having any of those guys 
um, obviously hurts quite a bit right now. Um, and then, you know, when you turn when you Gabriel into Anthony Davis, like that's, you know, it, again, it's a miracle that they're in these games at all yeah. right now. When you look at when you look at who all is available, um, but but, you know, the, the Lakers are outside of the plan right now. And these moral victories and talking about how miraculous it is that they're even in these things at some point. You're, you have to start winning. And the Lakers so far this year have, have had three games against opponents that beating them would mean a lot because it would allow you to maybe drop uh, a, a game against a lesser opponent. Um, but they've had three instances here where against a team that you would look at, you would, you would look ahead on the schedule and you would see them there and you'd say, oh, that's probably not a win, but they could have won, maybe should have won. But they, they can't because of their identity crisis that they have in the clutch. And, and, and I just don't know if LeBron and Russ at this stage of their careers are going to be willing to adjust there. And, and you know, that, that's kind of part of why I, I've, I've been pushing so hard for a trade to happen because those guys aren't interested, I don't think, in two-man game between the two of them. And, and if they aren't interested in doing that, then they're going to take each other out of the game um, in some way. And, and that's just it, it, the Lakers aren't talented enough elsewhere to make up for that. Yeah. And again, that first part you said, that's the part I struggle like go back and forth with. Cause I think, you know, this is a different team to me, Anthony, than the one that AD went down to, right? Like this is a, this is a different team in terms of like how competitive they are. I think like they've been, again, not saying moral victories. It's just like, I think the team has been playing better um, obviously that last like five minute stretch is the part where you'd hope to have your best players there. I think AD would help, especially just up the margin on defense as well, like help us defend a little bit better. But like, I think this is a better team than AD went down on like yeah. against in Denver. It's They've just, improved like, since he went down. For it, sure. it, exactly. And other guys have kind of stepped into the rotation, right? I think Max Christie is like a legit fine. There's like, I mean, so many plays tonight where like they had him on Tyrese Maxey and he like, mirrors the ball perfectly you know and slides with him and then contests high and then uh other plays were like hardens on him and like harden tries to drive on him and he shuts it off like that's a legit fine to me and max again only 19 not gonna play playoff minutes you know hopefully we get there but like he's not gonna play though he's not gonna yeah play nobody's anymore. gonna play playoff minutes right now <laughs> <laughs> that's true i'm already in round one like yeah max christie throw him on, <laughs> throw him on uh whoever yeah you know. Throw them on MPJ. It's gonna be, they're gonna they're gonna win two play-in games in order to get into to to play like Denver. And you're like, all right, Max Christie on MPJ, let's go. Like, <laughs> yeah, nice job on him in the you know loss in Denver. But uh, anyway, yeah, like I think Max Christie's a legit fine. He's into the rotation. I think Nunn's only here because again, just, I don't even think I mentioned it yet tonight. But Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker still out, and their three-point shooting would have been really helpful and it's funny Lakers are like I don't think I've seen a team where you know they just stop shooting them Anthony I think the math game really catches up as well at some point yeah it's incredible to be in this I know we kept saying like yeah it's nice to be there we eventually need to end that it's nice to be there but you know the you know the Sixers took 34 threes we took 20 we hit six they hit 12 so that math game is just really tough losing the three point yep. uh, by 18 but like I think it's a different team also I think winning Gabriel was found I think last time we talked, he was playing like 15, 16 minutes a game. You see his minutes just up, you know, every, I believe, are, are going in the upward trajectory, um, played almost 27 minutes tonight. You could tell that, you know, Ham is trusting him more and more. And 
Like, it's a different team, and can we just stay above water until um, AD comes back and then hopefully Lonnie and Austin can come and help the offense a little bit. But that I struggle to go back and forth with that because then you still have to win games in the interim. And I don't know, like, these losses are, are tough to handle. Well, and, and the other part of this, too, losing like this as often as the Lakers are losing like this, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So when you get into the clutch moments, yeah, you know, in the back of your mind, if we're saying, oh, shit, <laughs> I, I would imagine the people who have more information at hand than we do are probably saying, oh, shit, can we get one blowout win, please, so that we can avoid this stuff? Um and even like in our blowouts, like as when the game slows down, you start to see teams creep back into it. And and all of a sudden, look at that. You're in a clutch game all, uh, all over again. So, um, yeah, the Lakers at some point here are going to have to make some kind of adjustment. Now, I understand like Darvin Ham, like his quotes that are coming out of it. I see people are kind of freaking out about his quotes after the game. And look, Darvin Ham is a competitor, he's a former player, and coaches just by nature are stubborn and they are crazy competitive. I would argue that the, the players who become coaches are some of the most competitive people on the face of the planet mm-hmm. um, because like, you go from something you can control to all these things that are out of your control and you stake your identity on your ability to, to, to make those things that are essentially inherently out of your control work. Um, it's, it, it takes a crazy person to coach. So like when Darvin Ham says after the game, like, no, I don't regret not calling a timeout. It's him lashing out because he's like, yeah, losing like this freaking sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not too worried about his actual quotes here. Uh, I do think with more time, um, to kind of look at the situation, I think once Russ dribbled the ball off of his hands or off of his knees there. Um, that's where Darvin has to run. Like you see Doc Rivers sometimes run almost to the opposite three-point line to call a timeout. Yeah. That's one of those moments. Like when you see the play, like when you're in transition or semi-transition and you're not a very good offensive team as it is, I understand the instinct to not want to call a timeout there because, you know, then then the other thing too is you, you if you call a timeout, they can get a better defensive lineup maybe out there. Um, you suck in the half court. So if, if you're Darvin, you're maybe thinking like, all right, maybe I can avoid the half court here. Um, but once it, once everything, once everybody's just like standing there watching Russ dribble, that's where it's probably time to call timeout, call timeout, get the ball in LeBron's hands, or at least get, get those guys, you know, get something set up that features both of those guys. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think eventually Darvin seems like, a fairly decent person. And I, I think he was just kind of lashing out after a fr- another frustrating loss. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it's just, I, I'm concerned if you lose this often, you eventually start to build habits um, because you do something like, it's just, it's just what happens when you do something over and over and over again, you're going to build habits in doing that. And I'm concerned about the habits that the Lakers are building so long as they continue to bash their head up against the wall by paying, by playing LeBron and Russ together down the stretch of these games. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you, you worried about the mental kind of makeup after losing these games. I think, you know, a team that, you know, came back from two and 10 down and then AD goes down. Now they played like, I believe it's 16 games without him. Um, I think they're 16 games or 15 games. They're like seven and eight now. So I think the team has kind of found it, found a good spot and, I think we're learning you know about stuff about Darwin and like what he likes and I thought it was great um 
And again, oh, just to really quickly on the last thing I think on the crunch time, I would have called timeout, Anthony. I thought they were going to go offense, defense, and put Thomas Bryant in. Like, that's what I thought like was going mm-hmm. to happen. And then bringing Cole Swider, obviously, as well. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but like, it, <laughs> 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 why not? Uh, but no, like, I think, you know, that's. Hey, look, man, doing the other stuff, not playing him hasn't worked. So obviously, playing him gives you a chance at doing something different. So I, I see where your head's at, Raj. Hey, man, I see it. Six nine shooter is like sitting on our bench. I would just like to see it. But anyway, it's enough on, on Cole Swider. It's never <laughs> happening. But yeah, I, fine. It happened in Denver, but uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they had four people, Raj. That's fair. <laughs> uh, if Aaron traveled with the team, he might have gotten out there on the court. <laughs> That's true. I just would like to see it. The Lakers scouting department has like, you know, such a huge, you know, resume of hits. Just like see if this is another one. Um, but no, we're learning about Darwin and he went big. And I think like he's a coach that wants to kind of go small. Like I learned two things. I think he's a coach that wants to go small and he likes to double, right? Like he wants he's he's not a guy that wants to star to be able to cook. And I, I thought you saw some adjustments in that tonight, but I thought the big lineup like that made me like really excited. He started Troy Brown with JTA um i think it was max last time but like went a little bit bigger and that make, gives me some hope i think like when ad comes back we're gonna we're gonna go up like we're gonna play maybe tb next to him and uh but what do you think of the starting lineup i guess it's a another new starting lineup somehow i think it's like our 55th or something like that um but like i thought you know him going big was a good <laughs> <laughs> we had a i saw that they were zero and zero I was like, there's, I was like there's no way um, but um, honestly, the, the the Lakers would be like the only team that came out with a starting lineup, called timeout before the game happened, and brought out a different starting lineup so that they would have two starting lineups in the single game. I could see it. I could see it. <laughs> or like, or like, as they were walking out onto the court, like you know how? Well, I guess you won't understand. Most the vast the vast majority of people who are listening to this will understand this reference. But in like every action movie, okay. there's always the scene where like the group of characters are walking in super slow motion. There's some like badass explosion behind them and they look super cool and they're glistening and all this stuff. Right. Um, and then like parody uh, action movies would do that same thing. But then one of the characters would like fall or one like picks his wedgie or something like that. And I, I feel like that's how that would go with the Lakers is they would bring out the starting lineup. They would look all cool walking onto the start onto the court together. And then you would look and like, I don't know, uh, Dennis Schroeder would like stub his toe on the three point line and have to be subbed out. And you would have a second starting lineup to come out there in the same game. I could see it happening. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, like I, I don't get, didn't get that at all, honestly. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but no, like, do you I, know what an action movie yes, is? I'm, I'm, so, like, sometimes they in, they have this entire genre where the movie makes zero sense whatsoever when you read the plot out to yourself. Okay. But then you're watching it and it looks so cool that it doesn't matter that the plot doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And there's just like, you know, Vin Diesel is is wearing this white T-shirt that never gets dirty despite like fighting <laughs> tanks in hand-to-hand combat. Um, yeah, it's it's you. Sh- you should try it. You should you should try watching an action movie sometime. Yeah, maybe when you know when we after we win the finals, obviously in July, uh, in June, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll start watching movies. <laughs> the no. Sacramento Kings are the NBA comp for action movies. How about that? For this year, though, like, are they? Is yeah, it this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This oh. this year, 
this year it's just a whole bunch of bells and whistles and it's fun as shit while you're watching okay. it but you don't want to think about you don't want to think about that roster much longer than like 5 minutes cuz it'll start to make less and less sense but then you watch them and it's like holy shit this is this is just caffeine just injected straight into my veins this is awesome a lot of fun and you just know there's not a good ending to it kind of like it's a really fun team <laughs> but it's just not gonna yeah. have a good ending gotcha. well they, they like every all of these action movies especially nowadays have to set up like a sequel so the, the ending is not going to make any sense whatsoever because you're thinking about like next season or next next movie so yeah this is this is the sacramento kings the ending isn't going to make any sense but like you can't wait for next season because who who knows where this is going <laughs> sure uh yeah they just need a playoff <laughs> Well, I think the playoffs is a good ending of the movie for them, honestly. It's been like 20 yeah. years or something. Uh, but yeah, somehow transitioning. Uh, I, Andy, I've been asking, again, I'm not sure how much it matters in the grand scheme of things, but I've been asking for more like JTA, Troy Brown minutes together. Um, and that's something like, I think, just play your wings, right? I think you've been, you've been kind of harping on that as well. Um, I don't know if that's just because Patrick Beverly has been out now six days, I think, with a non-COVID illness. That's quite a while um and then austin reeves and lonnie walker still out maybe that's the only reason but i like him going up right and uh, do you think that's a that's something that he's going to sustain with that he's going to stick to or it's like once the guards come back we're kind of back to that no. really small three guard uh three guard fronts that we that we put up yeah no it's the it's the second one <laughs> it sucks but it, it's the second one um yeah i mean like Again, it, it's this is where this is the this is the thing Aaron and I have fought about in terms of basketball the most this season mm-hmm. is how like because the Lakers uh, talent is so isolated at that at that point guard spot that like you have to find a way to play these guys in some way. And, and more often than not, that means you're going to be playing them out of position. So like is Troy Brown or is Juan Toscano Anderson a better player? than Lonnie Walker. No. But are those guys better small forwards than Lonnie Walker? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I would – I personally – I liked the starting lineup. I was actually really happy to see only one small person in that starting lineup. And, and um, you know, I, it's hard to, to, to evaluate the impact of, of a single lineup in one game. Um, it, it, you know, especially when you don't have the other players to kind of work off and fill out the rest of the rotation, but yeah, I, 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 this is another moment where I wish they would have won because maybe that would convince, convince ham to kind of stick with that approach more. But even saying that they beat the Milwaukee bucks by playing, you know, Troy Brown in the starting lineup and not having so many small little guards running around out there and, and lo and behold, the very next opportunity he got, he had more small guards running out there. So I, 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 until a trade happens, I think we're just kind of stuck watching tiny little guards run around for the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, and like I've you know lamented on Patrick Beverly and how much he struggled, but he's actually like I think we miss his shooting, Trenji. Like in the last, I think in yeah. December and January, he's actually been shooting like forty percent from three. And he's a guy who actually shoots. Like he's a guy that knows his role is to shoot. Um, he's been doing a better job of that. So we missed him, his three-point shooting, and then obviously Austin and Lonnie. But, yeah, like those wings. And Troy Brown's not great. It's just when he's your two, just gives you so much more length and size out there. And JTA was, like, getting into Harden. And I thought they made it as tough as they could uh, on Embiid um, as much as they, you know, possibly could at the size that they have. And, yeah, it's another loss, and it sucks. It's just, like, the whole game, like, I, you know, I try to take notes. I'm like, man, this is a – like, we played a solid enough – game to win against like a really good team i think philly is like third in the east or something right now 
said they're 10 games over 500, 11 games over 500. That's a good team. Like, it's a solid, good, you know, mm-hmm. Eastern Conference um, team that's fully healthy. And, uh, you know, they're, you know, they trick off games sometimes, but, you know, they had a big win in Utah last night. Obviously, second nine of back to back, you'd have liked to take advantage of that. But that's a really good team. And without AD, you kind of have to, I guess, reset the expectations sometimes. But yeah, it's tough to lose ones where you feel like you had, and the Lakers have like, uh, I believe, a 10 of those now um, on the season. Uh, so, yeah, we have you know a game against Houston tomorrow, and hopefully they you know they can pick back up and get that one. That's a must win, right? I think must win gets thrown yeah. around a lot, but Houston tomorrow is like a must win, especially the Rockets played today. I think they didn't even have Jalen Green um, and uh, forgot who else, but uh, maybe those guys play tomorrow. Uh, but Anthony, I think that's all I had from tonight. Do you have anything else from from this game? Watch The Last of Us. It's really good. It was really really good. The Last of Us NBA NBA comp is the Lakers in in clutch moments. It's just apocalyptically bad and dark. Okay, yeah, I was so confused because I've seen you know Harrison tweet about the video game The Last of Us, and then people are saying it's starting tonight. Kind of really confusing to me. Uh, but I guess it's a TV show now. <laughs> I, I really have no clue. <laughs> it's a you say TV like you watch games on TV. Do you watch them on your computer? Do you have Raj? Do you own a TV? <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I you know just copped out and bought you know just paid for Spectrum this year because I hated streaming and all that. So, but I only watch Spectrum Sportsnet and like TNT. <laughs> like I don't, don't need all these channels, honestly. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I don't really watch much, much else. Did you pay for DVR? I did, actually, yes. It's such a... So your DVR is just games? Yes, it's actually every Laker game. I'm seeing how much, you know, space it has. Um, but uh, <laughs> double on national TV games, so it, like, records both. But, yes, uh, <laughs> every game is on my DVR. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> I don't even know you're you're a special special person raj never ever change ever she figured out because i actually recorded the whole game while the game was going so i don't have to record while re-watching this time but you know that's information no one else needs um (laughs) 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 oh man this is fine but anything else from this or uh anything else anthony tonight you know i think these are like at least you know i i said i miss these type of games like because we haven't been in games that matter in a while and like this game mattered in a sense, and like against against the game against the Kings that we won, that's a game that mattered. The game against Dallas is a game that mattered, and like you're up on your feet and you're like clinching your you know wrist or, or hands, however that phrasing goes. Like you're actually like stressed out during the whole game. That's a feeling I think we missed. Like last year, I think after like February, you got absolutely you got none of that. So it's at least nice to be in these type of games where like it's serious. You're like in the Western Conference race, right? And I think that's a step up it's a low bar i guess for like where we should be in terms of the star talent that we have but it's it's nice to at least back be back in these type of games right yeah i mean i like i i felt apathy setting in earlier in the year and um i'm happy to like i woke up after and i'll wake up tomorrow probably annoyed that they lost this one but i woke up after the dallas game and kind of noticed noticed myself being annoyed at the fact that the lakers had lost and i can't honestly remember the last time that you would go through an entire night, wake up the next morning, and I and and still be like, God, man, it, how did they lose that? You know, mm-hmm. um, so that feeling, you know, e- e- that that annoyance 
um, is actually, I think, a step in the right direction. The fact that like I can feel myself still caring and I can I can sense on on Twitter um, and the, the numbers carry this out where where like if you're live tweeting a game, the engagement numbers are, are up. Um, because people are engaged and interested in this team. And you look at the all-star voting this year, um, and, and remember last year where everybody's all-star voting was down mm-hmm. and, and LeBron uh, wasn't the leading vote-getter uh, initially, and then Nike, I think, did some stuff and, and, and got behind uh, making LeBron the, the leading vote-getter again. And, you know, I thought that was a, a very loud statement from fans that, like, we hate that team. You know, Lakers fans hated last year's team. And I think this year, you know, seeing these guys get out there and compete in, in these, you know, no win situations or, or, or not no win. Cause they technically can win these games, but um, you know, fight uphill night in, night out and still continue to fight um, is, is something that I think that, that fans have actually really kind of rallied behind. But you know, if, if they keep losing this way and if they keep, you know, if the, if the losses keep piling up, I could see apathy setting in again. So I, I really do hope that they, and, and to their credit, they're taking care of the wins that they have to, you know, like they, it, the, the games that they're, that they're mm-hmm. playing teams that are well below f- 500, they aren't dropping those games in the same way that they did last year. So that they're competing, they're playing hard. Um, they, they, you could tell that they're kind of bought into to Darvin Ham's approach to coaching and and they're trying to make the best out of out of this situation this season in ways that last year's team wasn't interested in doing so. So it does make it like I feel myself more invested in in these guys turning it around. I just, you know, it, it's going to take more than like, you know, oh golly gee, everybody, we gotta try harder. Like, no, at some point they're actually going to have to make a, a an adjustment to to act the way that they play basketball, especially in these last few minutes of these games. Where you know LeBron and Russ are used to are used to having success in in a very specific way that utilizes their skills and talents um, both in terms of just being a basketball player and also being a world class athlete. Now that they aren't that compared to everybody else that's out there on the court, they're going to have to adjust. They're going to have to learn to play off of each other, and 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 hopefully they do. Hopefully they do soon so that we can stop watching these games and maybe one of these mornings instead of waking up annoyed at the fact that they lost mm-hmm. by one to uh, Philly, we can wake up the next morning and say, Oh shit, I can't believe they won that game and just kind of wake up with a smile. That would be nice. Yeah, it would. And you know, just if some of those like Tobias Harris had like three prayers that win, I was like, man, like he had like one shot over Russ where Russ defended it perfectly. And he just switched it through. Um, I think it was Furkan who hit like a really, you know, clutch three or something like down the stretch as well. I went back and watched those Luca threes like 80 times. Like, man, if they just, if he just missed one of those threes, Anthony, we're having like a, such a different conversation, but uh, like, yeah, we're, we're right there. If we can just clean up that last stretch and, you know, final thing for me, like, I think this team is worth investing in. And I think, you know, that's not just from the front office, I think from the fans as well. And then you could see it with AD on the bench, just watch him like, even while someone's shooting a free throw, you can see how, like, invested he is in every play. Like, he's talking to someone all the time. Like, if you have a chance, just watch him. I know people don't go back and rewatch these. But, like, if you can, like, just go and watch AD sometimes, like, through a whole possession. He's, like, constantly just up and, like, telling Wayne and Gabriel, hey, box out here, giving tips to Troy Brown. Like, hey, when you're defending. Like, like, I think LeBron and AD are invested. And I'm hoping, you know, the front office, you know, invest in it too. Yeah, I mean it's it's 
look, the front office wouldn't invest if LeBron and AD didn't look invested. So they have to they have to make this work. You know, the front office has been very clear to them. If if the only way we are going to we are going to invest in this team in this season is if you guys prove to us that it's a worthwhile endeavor, mm-hmm. um, a, as ridiculous as it is, like I can't get over the irony and the unmitigated gall that it would take a front office as inept as the Lakers front office to to demand <laughs> competency of anybody is just insane to me. But that that is the situation and. Um, and and by the way, like I think that like I think the point that you're making about the fans' investment too is a worthwhile one. That like, look, we're we're talking right now on a Sunday night in which there was playoff bat, playoff football, and a hundred people are are in here listening to us ramble on for now forty ish minutes about a team that is nineteen and twenty four. Mm-hmm. Like fans do want like that. You watch that game, dude. Nobody was sitting for like the last five minutes of the yeah. game. Like Lakers fans are, you know, it's it, it honestly reminds me of like the Lakers right now. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in TV history. And gosh, I can't believe I need somebody up here who understands these references when I make them. But like um, in, in this TV show, The Good Place, Jason Mendoza, who's like, in my opinion, the funniest character in, in TV history, just like in terms of line for line funniness. Um, but he. He says, like, I, they're talking about heaven and hell. And to, he was like, to, to me, hell is uh, an EDM song that you just get ready for and you keep getting ready for the beat to drop, but the beat never drops. Like, the Lakers are just kind of stuck in that moment yeah. where you see it, like, over the course of a game where, you know, they're, they're on, like, a 5-0 run or a 7-0 run. And all that's needed to, to reach that crescendo and then have everybody just force a timeout is the ball rotating over and it goes pass, pass, corner. And standing there in the corner is Russell Westbrook. And he clanks that three-pointer. And it's this like EDM song. It's like do 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 and everybody's ready for the beat to drop. It's like do 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 timeout. It just doesn't happen. You know, and and like everybody I think is really ready to get behind this team, but but we need the actual beat to drop. We need some. We need we need that next step in the story. Hundred percent. That's why I think you know. Just and I don't. I don't feel a Russ move is coming anymore. And not defending or defending that stance. I just like. No, Jeannie's leaking that she was like she was the reason they didn't trade him in the first place because she was like he's playing so great from the bench. Ha ha! I told you guys. Well, like so. I like I've said this before, but I think like a Russ trade is a monumental change of the makeup of the team, right? And I think. Like, I think yeah. the team is building something. How good that will be in the long term is remains to be seen. But, like, I think it has built something, and I think they want to build on it. And I do think, like, one, just one shooter would, would help so much of all these stuff we're talking about. Um, you see a lot of good teams. They're, like, first action is not with their superstar. It's sometimes it's, like, just with that shooter because that's, like, the first thing you defend or have to defend and get out to. And then that can kind of help everyone else kind of get open shots or, you know, not have – our offense just be LeBron and Russ having two bars in the paint with five guys on them. And that's just the physical attacks that that takes. So I'm hoping, man, I'm hoping some move or I hope the front office invests in this team. Cause I think it's worth it. And you see that in the stars, you see it AD on the bench, you see LeBron continuing to, you know, play well and play hard as much as he can to, uh, to invest in it. And I, and I, I hope the front office does too. Yep. Absolutely. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate everyone for listening. Thank you, Anthony, for coming up here. This was a fun game for like 47 and a half minutes. 
um, for the last 30 seconds. Um, you've been listening to the Lakers SBM postgame show, and we'll see you after tomorrow.